planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. Hello and welcome to the first edition of the 1875 podcast in the year 2020. I hope the new year has been treating you all well so far. On today's show, I'm joined by Alex Lomax and Ollie Howarth as we discuss where over start to the new year and why our pre-Christmas form has fallen off so drastically. So there were lots of Huddersfield and Forest, weren't there, um, just after Christmas. Uh, Alex, I'm going to let you talk about Huddersfield first. Um, talk us through that game. So it was a, an early goal, wasn't it? It was a it went one 0 up, and then ended up losing two one. Um, and it wasn't a great performance, was it? No, it wasn't. And it was really, I thought, a continuation of you know the previous two home games, which I thought I think we were all very disappointed by. We felt like they were drop points. Um, going into the game, I sort of had that feeling that if we could get the win that it would maybe make up for the drop points at home in the previous week, but that wasn't to be really. And um, I think it was a mixture of poor defending that undid us for the first goal and then obviously a wonder strike for the second goal, which I'm sure we'll talk about from the most recent game as well. But if you want me to sum it up, I would say that we were maybe fortunate to lose it only 2-1. I thought um, Lenehan... Uh, should have been punished for a foul in the box in the first half. But I suppose that could make up maybe for the horrendous diving uh, decision that they got at Ewood. Um, Harry Chapman made his first appearance as well, I think, of the season and uh, didn't really impress me. And um, showed probably why he hasn't really broken out of the under-23s. So overall, I would say it was a really disappointing day and looking at the results a few days later and seeing that Huddersfield had lost at home 5-2 to Stoke, I thought that kind of put our result into context, really. I thought it was a really, really poor performance and really poor result in the end. And, you know, if walking away from the ground, could I really complain that we didn't, re- you know, we deserved anything more from the game? Probably not. I thought Huddersfield were the better side and deserved to win, which is really disappointing. Certainly was, especially um, as I mentioned, going uh, ahead by that at one goal, especially in the seventh minute with Danny Graham. Um, story of our season, I suppose, the early goal. Um, we did it again against Preston, didn't we? So I'm sure we'll discuss that later on, as we have done on previous podcasts. Um, so moving on to Nottingham Forest, Ollie, um, how did you feel about that? Obviously, again, we, we basically stopped ourselves from winning at the very start, didn't we? Going two down so early on. Um, after what I thought was a, a fairly promising start. Um, talk us through your feelings on the Forest game, Ollie. You know, where it went wrong. Can we not complain as much about that result as perhaps we can? The game against Huddersfield is obviously Forest are a team that are pushing for the playoffs, similar to ourselves, I suppose. Yeah, it's a. it was a funny one, really, I think. I don't think we played particularly well against Wigan, Birmingham or Huddersfield 
over Christmas. But then, strangely, we sort of played relatively well across the 90 minutes, but you're not, you don't deserve to win a game if you give away such poor goals. Um, so, yeah, it's still just as frustrating across the whole period of time as well. Um, when, yeah, when you look at those first two goals, I think the first goal, I, I actually think over, we've played Forest over 180 minutes and I I know they're high up in the league, but I, th- I think we were much better than them at Ewood Park and you could make an argument that for spells of the game, we were the better side away from home, but they've taken four points from us this season. But I think, you know, Lolly, he was a danger man. He scored the goal at Ewood Park and he was a danger man, particularly in the first half. I think, you know, Bell allows him inside too easily and I've Sometimes those crosses drift in at the back post, but between Lenehan, Tosin, and I'm not really sure what Walton was doing, because I, I, th- I think he should just he should just come and get the ball. It doesn't matter whether Amiobi is going to head it or not. Just come and you know you're the goalkeeper. Just clear people out and get the ball. Um, and I, th- I think that kind of led to him having quite a nervy game anyway. And, and then we were very soon two 0 down gave the ball away in midfield a bit cheaply of how they played a very incisive pass quite easily right through the middle of our centre-backs and again I think Tosin's coming across and don't know why Walton's come all the way nearly to the edge of his own box um, but he doesn't he doesn't need to be there and I think it's Lolly again that he fouls um, but then that's the bad and then for the rest of the half we were Again, quite looking quite good. I think scored a really good goal. I think Rothwell, Rothwell with a brilliant pass down the channel into Armstrong, who slightly delays his cutback and downing, showing his class with a like a really really good first time finish. And you think, okay, there's a bit of hope. I think Evans has a really good chance to make it two two because you know there were periods of the game where we were quite dominant, and but perhaps you. Evans on sort of right near the penalty spot. You perhaps maybe want someone else on the ball there. Um, but yeah, then I think Rothwell gives the ball away in the second half and 3-1 down. I think Amiobi skips past Downing far too easily. And it's, you know, he's got an easy cross just to stand it up to Graben. And he's one of the best strikers in the division. He's not going to miss easy headers like that. Um and it went to 3-2, but, it, you know, I think the game was gone. Um, you just can't let three goals in and expect to get any points. Um, but, yeah, I think even though it was an own goal for our second goal, again, I think Rothwell made a really key pass into a channel again. And I think it's Bennett cuts it back across and it, I think one of their defenders knocks it in. But um, probably, and probably, I know we'll probably go on to talk about him quite a lot, but I think it was a Probably one negative from the game was how isolated Brereton looked in the game. And I think he came off just after an hour um, and pretty much did nothing of any note and looked quite isolated. So, but yeah, I'm sure we'll go on to talk about him in a bit more detail later on. We certainly will, because there's a lot to talk about with, with Ben Brereton. Um, and like you say, you, you can't go to a, a ground, can you, and, and concede three goals and expect to come away with anything um, but then it is a fine margin isn't it if Walton doesn't rush out and give away the penalty is there something different are we talking about one of our performances of the season um, it really is 
it's those fine lines, isn't it? Um, but that's football, um, course, and it's left us in a position that's not necessarily um, ideal. Um, and anyway, moving on though to the cup, um, so obviously that was Birmingham. Now there's a argument to be had here, isn't there? Um, and it comes about every single year. Is the magic of the cup still there? Is it still as important? And I suppose the question that I'm asking you to is, is it better to be out or in? Of course, we are out of it now. Uh, Birmingham beat us. Uh, a 10-man Birmingham, no less. Um, Alex, what's your opinion on the Cup? Are you glad that we're out, or would you rather be in the hat um, for the fourth round? I think with this question, you really have to look at it as a year-by-year basis. I think if you look at most clubs up and down the country, like us, who are maybe marooned in mid-table with, I'd say, little chance of either going up or down, then I think a cut run could possibly make the second half of the season and could actually encourage your league form to pick up as well. Uh, I think we've seen that, you know, at Rolves up, you know, since we've been relegated from the Premier League. Um, I'm, I'm looking back to that season under Boyer when we played Liverpool over two legs and we beat a few Premier League teams along the way. I thought that really lifted the whole mood of the season. Um, So it can have a really positive impact. On the other hand, I can cast my mind back to two years ago when we were fighting for promotion back into the Championship and getting beat in the third round of the Cup. I didn't really feel any concern or disappointment about it, if, if that's the right word. So, yeah... Like I'd said, I think it's something you've got to look at on a year-by-year basis. But having said that, this season, looking where Rovers are now, I was very disappointed that we did go out of the Cup, particularly because it looks like we may not have much to play for in the final couple of months of the season. So it can, yeah, it, it can just provide that bit more of an excitement into a season. And, you know, as we've seen, even even in the season under Owen Coyle when we got relegated... Um, we had the tie against Man United at Ewood and had a decent crowd on for that. So I don't think the magic of the cup has gone at all, really. And I still think that a lot of the big clubs, especially the ones that haven't had much silverware over recent decades, would snap your hands off to win. So no, not at all. I feel like the magic of the cup is still there, but maybe for the teams fighting at the bottom of the league to stay up or the teams fight at the top to gain promotion, maybe a bit of the importance of it maybe has diminished slightly, but for clubs like us in our position, I think we should be going into every FA Cup game trying to win. That's my opinion. I mean, you say you say clubs like us, um, and I can see what you're saying, that the likelihood of going up is is little, but it, we're not that far off the playoffs. It's, it's five points and and Obviously, it wasn't the best result against Preston with the 1-1 draw. But could you see an argument where we're not necessarily a mid-table club and with a few results, we could find ourselves in that area? So it's interesting to hear. I'd be interested to hear your your viewpoint, Ollie. Uh, Are you with Alex in thinking that for a club like us that's probably not going to be fighting for promotion come the end of the season, a cup run can really make the season? I know he... It, it, Alex did mention the Liverpool ties. For me, they were some of the best 
best Rose games I've been to, and we lost one of them. Um, so how do you view that, Ollie? Is, is it something that you were bothered about, um, or was it very much a meh? Yeah, I was. Um, I wasn't actually bothered about the Birmingham, Birmingham game at all. I think my gut feeling before was no injury, no more injuries, and I'm not particularly bothered about whether we go through or not. Which maybe I shouldn't say as an actual football fan and a Rovers fan, but um, I don't. I think there's something to do with just. It feels like there's more games packed in. Around Christmas, the, uh, this, you know, the seasons have been the same recently, but it's. I think it's down to the draws you get. So I think it's subjective every season. But I think aside from the Liverpool game, when we had Liverpool, and I think we had when was it? We had Man U, and I think Conor Mahoney had a good game at Old Trafford, um, and Graham scored a really good goal, but we lost anyway. Um, you get those glamorous ties, which are which are great. Um, I think probably the last time I was excited in the cup was the quarterfinal with Millwall, which we lost the replay, um, sadly. Um, but I think I would get it, this goes beyond, you know, us sat here talking about Blackburn. I, the magic is there in certain games, but I do think it's dwindled slightly. I think I was reading something how, generally speaking, attendance is a very low right across that FA Cup weekend, the third round. But then you look at, I think, the two games where they were up were Gillingham were at home to West Ham, where, again, it, it's the right balance of a tie. It's a League One side at home to a, a struggling Premier League team. And it's got you've got that appetite for an upset. And then I think Rochdale as well were at home to Newcastle. Again, you know, League One against at home to um, a Premier League side who are probably going to rotate some players, have got a lot of injuries and aren't, you know, they're not the most intimidating opposition. But I think when we, I think the last couple of seasons, I think when we, we've got these games where away to a similar championship side, it, it doesn't have much excitement around it. Um, and I certainly didn't feel that excited. I was When you actually see how the game panned out, I was quite annoyed that we lost the game because it was a ridiculous game to lose, um, given what happened. But I've, I think, in the last few seasons, it sounds a bit, yeah, it sounds like slightly fair weather. That if suddenly we went on a run, I'd be all for it. But otherwise, it does. I do seem to struggle with interest. But maybe I, at least, I'm arguing the other side. I don't think you're alone in feeling that either. Um, I suppose I'm, I'm very much in the same boat as you. The third round tie against Birmingham. If we win, we win. If we lose, we lose. I'm not overly bothered either way. It's when you get, obviously, to the, the fifth round and then you get to the quarterfinals and you go Wembley. That's when it starts really meaning something. Um, so I don't think you're alone in feeling that. So I wouldn't... Not that you are putting yourself down about it, um, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't think that you're any less of a fan for that because, uh, and I'm sure Alex probably agrees with me as he mentioned with with the Liverpool game. Those are the ones that really matter, um, and like you said, Ollie, perhaps the manner in which we lost to Birmingham, uh, as they were down to ten men and we had about a million and one shots on goal, um, which obviously that very funny video of 
all three of our strikers who, between them, cost a combined £15 million, failing to put the ball into the back of the net. But of course, that's a story for another day. Obviously, after the champion, the not the championship, the FA Cup fixture against uh, Birmingham City, we welcomed Preston to Ewood Park in a Lancashire derby. I'm sure some people will get their backs about that one. Um, not a rivalry, but a derby nonetheless. Of course, another early goal, Adam Armstrong this time, who's coming in some fantastic form at the moment. But again, it's a failure to make chances count again, similar to the Birmingham game. Um, and of course, we'll discuss Gallagher being put on the wing. Uh, so, Ollie, I'm going to come to you first with this one. Preston, is it frustrating that it's another early goal and it's another time we've failed to win a football match? Because lots of lots of positives have been said about our knack for getting early goals this season. I believe we're the, the best side in the country when it comes to scoring the early goal. It means nothing though, does it, if we can't hold on for three points? No. Um, yeah, we have scored a lot of early goals, but it... I don't know, it, it's almost beginning to feel like a bit of a curse because because we do struggle defensively. Um, but I think both teams come, came into the game, it is a derby, um, in pretty poor form. I think Preston had, I think they'd had about six defeats in their last 10 and they were desperate for a win. And I think we were desperate to get back to winning ways. And it played out very much like a derby. Um but we had the better of the game. We had the better chances. Could have won, possibly should have won. Um, I think that what's often frustrating, I think I remember we were sat here talking about the Swansea game with what, a soft goal to get it back to 1-1. Admittedly, it was a very good strike for their equaliser, but it, the, it was sort of one of those 50-50 free kicks. I think Travis was penalised. and But actually, the, the strike comes from another high ball into our box and we just lost that physical battle with yet another team seems to be the whole Christmas period has been us playing teams that are deliberately physical with us and probably apart from Knott's Forest and we we haven't got the better of any of them um and it was just it was yeah a great strike from a second ball but it was yeah again we were bogged down in not being able to win a ball coming into our box and get a commanding header out. And I think that's probably, I think Tosin and Lennon haven't been at their best in the last few games, particularly Tosin has not been quite as good on the ball um, as he has been certainly in, yeah, I think against Preston and probably going back through Huddersfield, which we touched upon as well and Knott's Forest. Um but yeah, I think it's just frustrating. Again, I think we'll talk about Armstrong some more, but it was a brilliant goal. I think it's important to note that it came from him cutting in from wide. He picked the ball up in the channel. Well, picked the ball up out wide and ran in. And I think that's probably where he performs at his best. Um, he's getting defenders backing towards their goal um, and being able to cut in on his right foot. Um, also a real shame to lose Evans so early on. Um and a challenge that a pretty bad challenge on him that went unpunished by the referee. But I don't think the referee had a particularly good game. But I think that's something you seem to say about most games. Um, and then 
probably, I think Armstrong probably had the best chance really to to put us back ahead as well, to put us 2-0 up just before Preston's equaliser, um, where he flashed a shot just wide of the post. And then there weren't any, we had the better chances, but there weren't any kind of, we had a lot of pressure in the second half, but I think maybe, I think Tosin had that volley near the end, um, but a lot of it was, I think, Holby had a couple of shots from outside the box, but and Travis as well, a bit of a tame shot of the goalie, but we have to make more of those chances if you're going to win these games. Um, I don't. It's not a case of old Preston have been up in the playoffs for a lot of the season. It was we're at home. They weren't in very good form, and we had the opportunities there to win the game, and we didn't. Um, but I do think it was important to stop the losing run, um, which it did do, because um, we've we've got tough fixtures coming up. So. You can take some positives from it, um, but yeah, and I think it. I think it was also probably the last thing was that I think it demonstrated the importance of Nyambe as well. Um, I think he had a really good game, um, particularly going forward, and showed, yeah, showed how much we miss him when he's not playing, and sometimes he's not playing because Bennett is preferred. But I, I think he would always be my first choice, and and yeah, Bell again divides opinion I think he was he's been okay I think he was all right against Forrest um and he had a he had a good second half against Preston and made a really important uh block as well but it and because we do need we need to resolve what's happening at left back um and if if he's what we end up with at the end of January then um he needs to keep performing better and better he certainly does, and left back is, of course, an interesting situation um, that we'll probably cover a bit later on. Alex, Ollie spoke of the chances that we had against Preston. Um, of course, the, def- the defending wasn't great for the goal, as he, as he also said. Is it an issue that against a team like Preston, who, yeah, they're not in great form, but have been there or thereabouts all season so far, how important was it that we made those chances count? Um, and it's cost us, hasn't it? We've not made them count, and it's, it's cost us three points. Yeah, I completely agree with that, Tom. In a, if you want my honest opinion, I think it's probably cost us throughout the whole of the season. Um, I just, as Ollie said before, or I think it might have been you, Tom, actually, the comedy sketch miss in the FA Cup at Birmingham. And I think, to be honest with you, that really sums up our season, especially sums up our season in the forward areas. And I think, I just think the Bradley Dack injury has really come on to roost over the past few weeks. And I just feel like we took him for granted so badly, putting away that one chance um, that was needed to win the game and make the difference. You know, you look back at so many of our wins. You know how many of them have been by the odd goal, and how many of how many times has Dap got that odd goal that's won us the game? I think you know that his that is his importance to the team laid out in front of us, and so I think we're really going to miss him going forward. Um, which obviously brings us on to recruitment, which is going to be important to see if we can bridge that gap. But I completely agree with you that the chances missed definitely plagued us on Saturday. But I feel like it's a bit more of a systemic issue than that. I think it's um, 
probably plagued us throughout the season, really. And that may be coupled with the occasional tendency to lose a silly goal at the back probably indicates a mid-table finish. And I'm looking at the league table now and we're pretty much bang in the middle. And I would say that's probably where we deserve to be. And that's probably where I'd predict us to be looking at the patterns of play we're producing and probably the chances we're missing and the goals we're conceding. So I'm always of the opinion that if you are creating chances, then it isn't a bad thing. I'd be much more concerned if we weren't creating any chances. But like you say, um, missing those chances is a real issue. And I suppose you would expect a lot more from £12 million worth of strikers. I was going to mention that this isn't a strike force that is cheap. Um, the DAC problem is there for everyone to see. It's it's a massive, massive issue. I think that I think the problem we probably did undervalue just how much we rely on him, and that's knowing that we relied on him as well. We knew we relied on him for the performances, but I don't think we appreciated just how much. Like I say, he popped up with the odd goal. I think back to the Barnsley game. Um, where Dak dragged us through that and got us the three points. Um, and it certainly wasn't the first time, so it is frustrating. Would you like us to see us bring in a striker? And obviously we'll talk about this in more detail, but would you like to see us bring in a striker, Alex, during the transfer window? Or do you think it's a case of we've spent, if we include Armstrong, £15 million on on three strikers over the course of the last two transfer windows. Well, not two, I suppose not two transfer, over the past two seasons, should we say, season and a half. Do you think that that is what we've got to make do with, or would you like to see us bring in a striker that, that may score the goals? Well, ultimately, I'm a fan of Rovers, so whatever gives us the best possible chance of winning more matches and finishing higher up in the league, I'll, I'll ask for that and I'll try and affect that change so if you said we'll spend another x amount of millions on another striker I would probably say yes because the current forward line isn't producing and you know we can talk about the balance sheet and the wage bill and FFP but ultimately what costs you money in football is getting relegated and I have to say that from our past experiences over the past few seasons of selling our best players, I would say that was probably the biggest reason in us getting relegated in the first place, which has unfortunately led to the losses that we're seeing now. So, like you say, the the current forwards are not producing. And if you offered me X amount of million, I'd definitely take it to spend having said that you look at it from the other angle and I don't think many fans put themselves into Venky's shoes but if they did would you be willing to part with millions and millions of your own cash when your most recent investments have flopped I think there needs to be a much greater appreciation from the fan base in general about one how bad the 
more recent investments in the transfer market have been, but equally how that impacts on the owner's willingness to invest further. So I think we'll probably see that going forward, that there may be a bit more of a reluctance to spend that extra money unless we do sell, you know, like a Bradley Dax, let's say, for £15 million, then we may see the money. But I think in the current climate and the current situation with the, at, the, at the club, you know, with the rumours going around recently about buying back Ewood, and I don't know whether that's true or not, but that's just rumours. But if that is the case, then you've got to say, is it worth risking the balance sheet for another flop? Because as we've seen, money doesn't guarantee success, does it? It certainly doesn't, and it's something we're going to speak in more detail about um, as the show progresses, uh, I think, Venk's investment, because obviously with with the current climate, with the financial fair play and whatnot, it is an important topic to look at. Um, but staying on the Preston game for now, Ollie, Sam Gallagher was put out on the wing against Preston. Now, people will argue that he wasn't put on the wing, he was put in a wide forward area. For me, a wide forward is basically a attacking winger who doesn't do the defensive work. Now, is it, to a degree, Mowbray's system stunting the likes of Gallagher and perhaps to an even greater extent, Ben Brereton? Is it the system that Mowbray's trying to implement that is meaning these players are looking like they're a waste of money. Because Ben Brereton's had one game, from what I can remember, as the man through the middle. I'm sure there has been more. Um, but that one game was the Bolton game. Obviously it was Bolton, um, who were in dire straits at the time. Um, but he got a goal. Sam Gallagher obviously played through, played through the middle more often. But he's hardly been a regular there. And I suppose what I'm saying, Ollie, here is how much is it Tony Mowbray's fault that these players aren't living up to expectations, high expectations that have been set for them because of the cost? I do, I'm a big fan of Mowbray, but I, I do think he's made a bit of a mess of things. And, and I'd sort of say this season as a whole. Um, I think if you look at Gallagher... Um, I think he, when he was with us before, and he, I think he scored 12 goals that season, but he did sometimes operate from a wide area with us in that period. That's not necessarily relevant to where we've been playing in this season. Um, and then I think he spent the following season on loan at Birmingham, where he scored seven goals in across the whole season, which isn't it's not terrible, but it's not great. And then spent last season back at Southampton and I think he a couple of cup appearances and a few sub appearances and no goals. But to me, he looks, he came and started about the first eight, nine, ten games this season up front. But he looked like a player who scored seven goals in two years. Um, and I, I don't know why he started the season with us. I think only that's down to Mowbray and he knows why he picked him. And I, th- I think it did a disservice to what Brereton did in pre-season. Um, I think Brereton deserved to start the season. 
given what he'd been doing um, in pre-season, his confidence would have been up. But we never know, you know, he could have played the first 10 games and not scored. So, but it, I think from then on, it's just been a case of chopping and changing and moving players around. And I, in some respects, I do think it's then become a bit of a system issue. Um, we weren't, when, we've had, when we had Dak in the team, we weren't sat here bemoaning, we need better wingers, you know, Gallagher playing, you know, as a wide attacker, as a, you know, wide right of a attacking three behind a Graham or, or an Armstrong. Although we could have been scoring more goals this season, it, it didn't feel as prominent an issue. And maybe that's, that is the hole that Dak has left. I think I think though I think with with Dak being in the squad, it was always pretty much the thought that Danny Gray has to play. So it it wasn't as much an issue with Gallagher, from my opinion anyway, because people weren't bothered that Gallagher was playing. People were people were bothered that Danny Gray wasn't. Yeah, um, and but now it and now we're in. You know, we're back in a, a bit of a poor run of form where he's trying to find something that works. And I, I, th- I think there's the one thing that seems consistent, irrespective of whoever's on the pitch, is that I think he always feels, and I, I would tend to agree in some respects, that we're not, we're not a Leeds and we're not a West Brom where we dominate most opposition for 90 minutes and dictate the tempo of the game, dictate possession we're not we aren't that good um so we need an outlet and I, th- and I think if he i think that's why he always wants one of our taller strikers somewhere on the front line and i, th- I think that's often you'll often see lenahan or tosin or whoever's at the back if you know if armstrong has been depl- if armstrong has been given you know a half down the middle and then gallagher's pushed out wide or whatever it may be that we need that outlet because quite often we, we are sometimes having to clear our lines and go a bit more direct. But but then that does nothing for his confidence as a striker and it's going to do nothing for Brereton's confidence as a striker if their main role is win headers against your fullback. Hopefully, you know, the midfielders, midfielders will get on the second balls, but you know, they want to be in the box on the end of crosses or, you know, getting chances and scoring goals. And you can only imagine as a professional striker, the longer you go without scoring, that pressure builds up. And when those chances do come, like the comedy clip against Birmingham, that it, yeah, it just becomes comical because you're low on confidence and the ball just doesn't quite drop for you or slip over. You don't hit it as crisply as you want to. And but it, it, it has become a bit of a mess because, I, yeah, I don't know who should play up front or, and I don't think it does them any good to be farmed out on the wing either. But then who else, you know, what other options do we have? Um, so not, yeah, and a lot of money has been spent. It's it certainly a conundrum, isn't it? But it's one that Morbury's got himself into. Um, and you're right, you know, you can that goes to any level of football, doesn't it? A striker that's not scoring goals in Sunday League at Pleasanton, um, you know, he's still going to... 
it's going to be playing on his mind if he's not scoring. Um, not that I'm speaking from experience, of course. I am 100% speaking from experience. Um, but it's one of them, isn't it? It's something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. Anyway, moving on to some transfer news now. Uh, Chai Wong-Gru was today being recalled from his loan at Wigan Athletic. Of course, that is at the player's request. Rovers are also thought to have inquired about Portsmouth start Ronan Curtis, um, whilst Ben Brereton has been linked with Dutch side Ado Den Haag. I hope I've pronounced that right. I'm sure I've butchered it. Um, of course, they recently made Alan Pardew their new manager. Um, just really quickly, Alex, in a couple of words, uh, Choi Mulgrew, happy he's come back or not particularly fussed? My biggest concern about this is the immediate impact it may have on the wage bill. I think Charlie Mulgrew is probably one of the highest earners at the club and I feel like him coming back without really any warning could have serious ramifications for whether we're able to add any players or not. So I think that may be an interesting thing to look out for. I think he's probably quite far away from the team at the minute. So would I say it does, does us any good really? No, so I'm not really too happy about it. If you want a quick answer, no, yeah, that that's perfect. I think that it's a fair point. Obviously, the wages will have been picked up by Wigan, or at least a good chunk of them. Um, and obviously, that's that's different now, um, and it could limit us in the in the the transfer window, which you know is frustrating, especially when he's not likely to be part of Mowbray's first team plans, at least first eleven plans um, for the foreseeable future. Um, and that, I suppose, with the transfer news, leads us quite nicely onto the questions for this week, um, as there are quite a few, um, obviously to do with transfers, with it being the transfer window. Um, Charlotte from Instagram has asked, will a loan move be good for Ben Brereton? I recently, in my Lancashire Telegraph column, suggested that a loan move would be good um, for him. It'd be best for all parties. It just... I suppose it takes him away, doesn't it, from from the club and allows him to endear himself to a new set of fans. Um, with this interest recent with from Adod and Haag, it's almost been been amplified, hasn't it? Alex, I'm going to go back to you with this one. Um, ben Brereton, Lorne, what do you make of it? I, I agree with you, Tom. I think it's the best thing for all parties and I think you also mentioned your column about some of the abuse that's been going around and particularly for Brereton. I mean, I've not been a fan of his performances myself, but I think as fans, we need to really have a long, hard look at ourselves and think about the way we treat our own players. And I think the abuse that he has been getting has been quite disgraceful, really. I think we can all criticise as fans, as paying customers, we can cast our judgments on the game. But during the game, you need to be 100% behind your team and behind your players. So I think that's been very disappointing. And I think in light of that, I think the relationship between the fans and Brereton has basically become Chris Brownmark too. It's become quite toxic. And I feel like the best move now for all parties is for him to spend a period away from it all. And hopefully, like you say score a few goals in Holland. Not that playing in Holland will be easy for him if he does go there, um, because I think their fans will be demanding as well. But um, 
I feel like a change of scenery completely for him will be a good thing. And I think with the situation with Broughton, I think it's just been escalating very slowly over a period of time. And I feel like Marbury's maybe got more and more desperate to make it work. And Broughton's become more and more desperate to play well. And in life, I think the more you snatch at things, I think the more difficult it is to actually um, do it. And I think we found that with Broughton. So I really do think a long move would be good. And hopefully that would also release some uh, funds on the wage bill. But um, that's a secondary issue. I think with Broughton, we're almost talking about um, a mental health situation more than a financial situation without me being too... um, serious about it but I think that's the sort of level we've got to with the relationship between the fans and him It certainly has become a bit of a poison chalice hasn't it Um, I've been lucky enough that I haven't heard any of the apparent abuse myself but people that I do trust have said that it did happen Um, who am I to say it didn't Um, and judging from you know his reaction when he left the pitch against Birmingham, there's clearly something there. Um, And like I say, I think that spell away from the club is probably in everyone's best interests. Um, So Liam on Twitter um, has asked about Ronan Curtis, if we're staying on the the transfer front questions. Um, Do you think we can get him, basically, is, is the question. Um, Alan Nixon said on Twitter that it was a case of matching the fee that Portsmouth want in his hours. Ollie, do you basically? I might have almost answered the question for you with what Nixon said, but do you think we can get Ronan Curtis? Possibly not. Um, yeah, I think by all accounts, yeah, and there's been stuff on Twitter, and I think Mowbray and the LT today. Or a few days ago, was talking about there are he, he was being non-specific, but the targets in League One that we've been looking at, he was saying that clubs were quoting you know three million, four million, and was alluding to the fact that that's too much for us to afford. And I think the last thing I read was that Curtis himself wants to stay at Portsmouth and help them fight for promotion this season. So. <laughs> His his stats over the last two years of you know he looks you know he's got potential of another DAC when you look at his numbers um, I know he he can operate <clears throat> on the wing as well um, or up front but it, when potentially we haven't got the money that Portsmouth want for him and the player himself is seems to be happy where he is as much as we really would need. A, you know, a player of his calibre, I'm not sure how likely it is. It's interesting. Um, definitely, as I think that if a bid was accepted, he probably would come. Um, but, like you say, three, four million pounds, is Morbury really willing to spend spend that much money on a player that's unproven? He only came from Derry, I believe it was in 2018 to join Portsmouth. He's not exactly blessed with football league experience. Um, Ben Smith has asked, how many players do you think we are away from challenging? And Alex, I'm going to throw this one to you. Um, 
obviously the transfer window talk, the promotion push has died down. Also, Dak's been injured, and he, he was our our main man. But how many players away are we from being a team where people will say, "Yeah, Blackburn, they're they're gonna be there or thereabouts next season." I've had quite a bit of a think about this question, and I've settled maybe on four. I think you look at the team and starting eleven, and I would say wonder it quite quickly. I would probably say that our goalkeeper isn't good enough to be a starter in a team that wants to gain promotion into the Premier League. I think we could all agree on that. He's maybe shown glimpses of good form, but then that's been littered with also some quite poor errors as well. But that that can obviously be expected from a young keeper. Um, I feel like left-back, that's an issue that we've had all season long since Cunningham unfortunately got injured at away QPR, um, who would have been a quality... Uh, option in that position um, like we've just talked about I think a winger we're really lacking you know that and that's been really I, I would say exposed over the past few weeks since um, Dak's injury um, and I think as is obvious really a striker that sticks the ball in the net um, that's something we're really lacking and I would say that's probably the biggest differentiator between the current setup and the team that just missed out on the top six under Boyer. Um, I feel like there's very little to choose between both sides, really, um, seeing as I can remember both and can compare them quite vividly. Um, but the one thing that we do lack now is that Jordan Rhodes or Gisted, who can stick 20 goals in a season. And as we know, they don't come easy, they can't be found easily and they, and they certainly can't be bought cheaply. Um, so I think that's really the dilemma we're in at the minute. I feel like we're probably four, four first-teamers away and maybe a couple more in terms of squad depth. So if you want just to start an 11, I'll say we're probably four players away from, I would say, being able to really compete at the top end of this league. I think looking at the team as it is now and looking at the squad, I'll probably say we're performing about where we should be, taking into account our best player being injured. So... I don't think we can have many complaints. And looking at the looking at the team, I think they're definitely the, the obvious ones, really that could definitely be improved with cash. But you know, we we don't have an endless pot of money, do we? So there'll be limits on that. So we we're in a we're in sort of a transitional phase at the minute. I think at Rovers, where we've probably got three or four players that are reaching that age where we're looking to maybe transition them on. And I think you saw maybe the first signs of that in the summer with Mulgrew leaving to Wigan and then obviously to come back most very recently. But I feel like that was the first sort of sign of sort of a change of the guard, really. Um, and I feel like maybe that will continue into the summer. So I feel like that Mowbray does have quite a big job on his hands in the next few months and... Um, I think we'll definitely have a better idea, you know, over the next, I would say, six to eight months of maybe the next, you know, our prospects for the next two or three years, really. I think it's that important. I think we're going through that much of a transition at the minute. It is a very important period, isn't it, like you say, with that transition from moving away from the League One side 
to building a team that is good enough to challenge at the right end of the championship table. And whilst we've shown that in fits and flashes, like, like we've both said here, it's not been something that's consistent, is it? It's an inconsistency, and that's what needs to be dealt with. Um, so, might as well go straight into this one. Uh, Joe Duxbury um, from Instagram. Um, just need a player here, boys. Who do you want to sign the most? Um, we'll make it realistic, so obviously we can't be saying Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi, because um, of course we'd love to sign them. But in terms of realistic players we could sign, who would be your go-to man? Um, Ollie? How realistic? Uh, <laughs> uh, realistic. So, someone that, so for example, I would say saying someone like Jordan Rhodes would be yeah. not necessarily unrealistic. Just, Do you see what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, just it, in terms of who'd be available just to come and help us Maybe it, it, it can be anyone. It, it can be anyone Martin that you Olsen, think. I think Martin Olsen maybe because I think he's a free agent and training with West Brom, and he's a personal favourite of mine from when he was with us before. I mean, he's a left back. Um, and if I had one other name, it'd be Dwight Gale. Wages are probably an issue, but yeah, I I think, I think I, I'd say they're both realistic. I'd say that. Dwight Gale, obviously less so, and, and you've, you've commented on that, but it's someone that you'd, you'd love to sign. So I'll take them too. I think they're fair. Um, Alex, what about you? Who's your? Who would you most like to sign, realistically? Marcus Madison, just so he stops clogging up my Twitter feed with all the Rovers fans and harassing Nixon about it. Um, in, all in all seriousness, I think, that is a difficult one. Um, you know what? I will go with Ron and Curtis because I do think that that would be the sort of player that would really show that we are looking to rebuild the squad going into next season. And I think he's the type of player that would complement Dak very well when he does eventually return from injury. So I think scoring goals is going to be a real issue for the rest of this season. And I think we need that offensive player, whether it be a winger or a striker that can score some goals, so I'll I'll go with him. That's fair. Um, For what it's worth, mine would be Jordan Rhodes, because I am deeply, madly in love um, with that Scottish-slash-Yorkshire man. Um, Okay, moving on to the next question. Uh, This one, I'm going to hand over to you, Ollie. Um, does Mowbray know his best eleven? This is from Jacob Pete on Twitter. No, <laughs> I don't think he does. Uh, I think this season's been we've had we had a bad spell, and he seemed to finally stumble across a system that worked with Downing at left back, and this was obviously still with Dak. Um, and Travis and Evans in the middle. And then as soon as Dak, it, it was almost inevitable that Dak's gone and it's now a case of trying to find something that works again. And it's not working as yet. Um, so I'm not sure he knows ultimately. Um, I think probably with the back line, I think he probably does. 
just about. Um, and I think any combination, whether Travis is with Johnson or Evans, is fine. Um, but then, yeah, ahead of that, I don't think he knows at the moment. Um, and it, it, yeah, I think it's a problem. Certainly, isn't it? I suppose it's been one of the big criticisms of Mowbray's time at the club, hasn't it? That he doesn't always know his best eleven. I know we've spoke about it countless times on the podcast throughout um, our time doing it, um, and that's from all the way back in our League One season. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's certainly a funny one, isn't it? It's not. It's not something I'd want to do because I imagine it is tough. But as the manager, he has got to know. Is best eleven, and finally, um, we'll leave it on a nice one. Um, something that I would hope will be easy. Um, Alex Reedy from Instagram asks, "Who is your favourite Rovers player of all time?" Ollie, do you want to go first on this one? Uh, I'm old enough to have been watching Shearer, um, but that's old enough to get upset when he left. As well, young enough to be very upset when he left, but. I, I'd probably say it's Friedel for me. Um, Friedel. If I had to be pinned down. That's fine. That's an interesting one, actually. Um, I was a big fan of Brad Friedel when he was there. I was probably about 10 when he left, I think. That's a a guess. Um, But I was a a big fan of Brad Friedel as well. Alex, who would be your favourite Rovers player of all time? Doesn't necessarily have to be the best player either. Just your favourite Oh, that's a difficult one. Um, I think this my answer will probably be more of a reflection on the lack of success that Rovers have had since I've been supporting them. Um, I can't say I remember much of the Premier League era, really. Um, I only started going maybe when I was eight or nine, and that would have been 2009. So I only really caught the very tail end of the Premier League era. Um that is difficult. I'll go with, you know what, I will go with Dak because I think that promotion season was the only season really since I've been supporting Rovers that I would say was a success at the end. Um, and I think as the player of the season from that from that overall wonderful season that I'll always remember, I'll, I have to say Dak. No, I think that's fair. Um, <coughs> for me... I'll answer this one as well. I'm going to cheat and go with two because um, I'm the host, so I'm allowed to. Um, I'm going to say Mortingham's Pedersen um, and uh, Choram Rhodes. If you follow me on Twitter, I'm sure neither of them come as a surprise. Uh, but yeah, Pedersen for me was my hero when I was a kid. Um, he was on the back of all my shirts back then. And Rhodes, just because... There were a time when he just scored goals for fun. I know he doesn't do it as much anymore, but he was a player. Never had the, the strength or the pace, um, but his finishing was second to none. Um, probably the best in the best in the league um, for a time. So that's who I'd go for. Anyway, that is your lot. I think that was a nice one to end on, just something not as serious, something that we can look at. Um, and not cry about due to a bad run of form. Um, I'd like to thank both Alex and Ollie for joining me. Um, it's been a pleasure as always. And of course, I'd like to thank you, the listeners, um, for encouraging us to keep going and recording this podcast. 
Um, here's Hawpin for three points at the weekend. Um, and yeah, goodbye. With bills to pay and debt piling up, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. Personal loans through NetCredit can provide funding up to $10,000 to help you get back on track financially if eligible. Our secure application process allows you to customize the terms that work for you and your budget. So check your eligibility today without affecting your credit score and help get your finances back on track. NetCredit, a more personal, personal loan. All NetCredit loans and lines of credit are offered by a member of the NetCredit family of companies or one of our lending partners. Visit netcredit.com partners for more information.